0: You may be seated. Uh, if you're age 12 and under, you can head back to Camp Pointway where our resident theologian is back there, Tony Jelensky. She's, she's got them covered back there. You can be guaranteed I'll be hit later on by her, so she loves that, so... It's interesting, I was listening to those songs, and I was looking back, and uh, I don't know if you noticed that or not, ladies, but, uh, and Ernie, that it, uh, those songs are like from the 2000s, uh, really early, so they're, uh, I don't know, are those still contemporary? Those are a long time ago. I mean, that's uh, older than, I think, Rebecca back there, some of those songs, you know. But uh, Rebecca won't hit me, so I know I'm safe there now. Good to have a lot of visitors here with us today, and I'm thankful for that as well. And just so you know, if you're visiting with us, and again, we we do things a little bit different here at Point Way. A lot of times, I'll ask a question, and I'll wait for a response. Right? Some of you know I'll I'll hang out for a while. Uh, I'm not good at rhetorical questions, and so um, we kind of go through the scriptures together. Right? We're working through this part of the Bible, and we tend to stay in a passage for a while and Matter of fact, we are starting a brand new series this morning, 2 Corinthians. Some of you may be saying, well, wait a minute, Charlie, didn't we do 1 Corinthians last year? Why didn't you do them like back to back, right? doesn't make sense, you do you know, we did 1 Peter, then 2 Peter, 1 Corinthians. Well, you know what? When you study 2 Corinthians, it really doesn't continue on. There's a, there's a gap in 2 Corinthians from 1 Corinthians, In fact, many scholars believe there was another letter and a couple visits in between. Like some time has gone on. The the address is not the same. Same group of people. The church in Corinth is still the same. They're still a messed up church, um, which is typical of all churches. And yes, we're no different here at Pointway. We have our faults. We have things that that don't always go as planned. I got one of the elders back there looking at me, staring me down like, Charlie, what's going on? No. But be honest, we're people, right? And so we have things that go on. And the church in Corinth, especially in 1 Corinthians, when Paul writes that letter, he's addressing a lot of needs, right? They're baby Christians, they're coming together, they're making all sorts of mistakes, and they're excited, but they're going in all different directions, right? And Paul has to correct a lot of those things. By the time he gets around to 2 Corinthians... He's probably visited there once more. We, we, we kind of know that, that he visited there once more. He's probably written at least one and even maybe two letters since then. We don't have those in our scriptures, but that's okay. Not everything made it into the Bible, right? We know that, right? For various reasons. You know, they didn't meet the criteria, they were lost, whatever. But the message in 2 Corinthians is still very important because he's now addressing some other issues, They still have some of those early issues, but now there's some new things that have come on. And if you know anything about church and church history, through various times, there are various problems, right? You don't stay stuck with just one problem. There are things that go on. There, There's other problems that arise. And so as he was dealing with a young church in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, he's dealing with some leadership issues. He's also dealing with some problems from the outside that's causing them to question his authority. You know, Paul has that, that, that problem of he's the last apostle, he's coming in on the end, and a lot of times people discredit him for that. And there's also some things going on in eternal, and we'll, we'll see that as we go through 2 Corinthians. We'll, we'll see some of the things develop as we go on. It's, there's 13 chapters, so we're going to be here for a while, just so you know. But it would be good to read through Second Corinthians in its entirety to kind of get that full picture. We don't do that on a Sunday morning sermon. I would be preaching a long time if I went through all of Second Corinthians here in one message. The other thing I realized this week when I was preparing, and actually last week I had started it, um, is that I haven't preached through all of 2 Corinthians, not from start to finish. I've taken messages in and out of it, but I've never preached the whole thing as a, a complete series. So it's a little bit new for me, and I, to be honest, as a pastor, I don't know exactly how it's all going to end. You know, usually when I start a book that I've done before, I kind of have an idea of where things are going and the time frame and all that. I have no idea. So it may take us 13 weeks. It may take us 26 weeks, probably not that long, but it may. So I don't know that yet, but that's okay. We'll work through it together. So that's just a little bit of the background. I'll give you a little bit more each week, but let's dive into the scriptures as we look at chapter one this week and begin in 2 Corinthians starts off with, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother. To the church of God in Corinth, together with all his holy people throughout Achaia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. Again, typical address, right, for Paul, right? Most of his letters sound very similar. Um, The only difference in this is he makes it clear that, you know, an apostle of Christ, You'll see that he focuses a little bit more on his talking about being of Christ, following Christ, and the Holy Spirit. He brings that up more in 2 Corinthians even than he did in 1 Corinthians. Again, he's reestablishing himself, and it kind of shows the letter as, as hey, I'm still that authority in your life. Remember, he spent a lot of time in Corinth. We know he spent at least 18 months, because it gives us a time frame, And then he came back several times. So he knew these folks. This was his planting church. This is where he got a lot of his support from. He worked alongside them. Uh, He was bivocational at the time. He was a tent maker. And so he knows these people. He has a relationship with them. But we also know that Paul traveled, right? He did several missions. So he wasn't always there, right? He'd be there for a time, and then he would leave. I mean, it would be tough today in today's kind of realm of... If I pastored here for, say, 18 months and then I left and I didn't come back for two years and then try to jump back in, right? Things change in in a short amount of time, right? People change. People go in and out. But yet Paul still has been connected with them. He also mentions Timothy here, right? And again, we know Timothy is that spiritual son of Paul, right? Most likely Paul led Timothy to Christ and Timothy is being groomed as the next pastor. He's the, the next one to come. Right? He's, he's up and coming. In fact, Paul's going to hand the reins over to Timothy at some point. So Paul's training him up. Uh, again, that's a, a good thing for a believer a, to be discipling. It's right? so one of our focuses this year as uh, Point Way Church is discipleship. And again, I would just throw out the question to you this morning, who are you bringing along? Who are you discipling? I'll just let that one sit. Uh, That's one you have to answer on your own. But as believers, we all should be discipling someone along, coming alongside them, helping them grow in their spiritual walk. That wasn't in there. That's a bonus point in case you were wondering. All right, so that's the greeting. Paul's greeting them. Again, he's connected them. Grace and peace, common to the day, uh, especially for those Jewish believers, that resonates with them that shalom, that peace that God brings. Again, this is a mixed church of Gentiles and Jews, but Paul's reaching out to both groups. All right, verse 3, that's the, the greeting. Now we're going to get into some of the meat of, the, of the, the letter. And I have three C's this morning, three C's. And the first one's going to be comfort. And so uh, be listening as we go through this next section about comfort. See if you hear that often in here. Uh, It kind of pops out in these verses, but verse 3 says, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, we also, our comfort abounds through Christ. Well, that was a pretty easy one to come up with, right? That was a pretty easy C for me, comfort, because it's over and over. It's repeated, right? But if you do a little bit more digging in that word, that word comfort, the Greek word in that is actually the same word that they, the, the, the writers use for the Holy Spirit. It's one and the same, right? It's a, the root of that, the Holy Spirit and, and comfort. And certainly we could say the Holy Spirit brings us comfort, but there's a little bit more here as well, right? That comfort, it, it's a gift from God. I don't think we ever look at it as, as being that, right? That it's, you know We look at spiritual gifts quite often, but the gift of comfort, right? It gives it to us. But just like the other gifts, right? This gift is not meant just only for ourselves. But if we look here, it's a gift that we can give to others, right? It says we can comfort in our, any trouble with the comfort we've received. And kind of the picture here is that we come alongside someone. And I have this picture of, you know, come alongside someone and putting your arm around them and say, hey, you know what? Let's walk through this together, right? Whether it's grief, whether it's a hard time, whether it's physical, emotional, whatever it is, sometimes we just need that person to come alongside, put that arm and say, hey, you know what? We got this. Let's, let's, let's do this together, we don't always understand what that other person is going through. We may not relate to what it is, but we can certainly give them comfort right? by just being there with them. Sometimes just being is, is all we need. It's, sometimes that's the best thing that we can do. I can even say it as a pastor. Sometimes it's better that I don't say anything and just, just, just be with them. You know, I've done hospital visits. I've done hospice visits. and Sometimes just being there. In fact, when I worked for hospice, they actually even had a, a category because you had to code everything. That was part of the deal for billing and all that. But they actually had a code um, being present, just being there, right? Not singing hymns, not reading scriptures, not praying, just being there because there's value in that. There's just having someone there to comfort you, to walk through, right? Sometimes God, though, allows us to go through things and it's helpful to someone else, right? Hey, I've been through that situation hey, here's what helped me get through it. And again, you have to rely on the Holy Spirit there to, to kind of help you, guide you through that. When to speak, when not to, you know, hug, not hug, walk through, how long, all those things are, are for the Holy Spirit leading. So that word comfort has a lot more to it, meaning it's not just a little pat on the back and say, hey, it'll be okay. Right? It's walking alongside. It has that deeper meaning to it. And Paul contrasts not only the comfort and, and being together, but also the comfort uh, when sufferings, right? And again, he's connecting himself back with this church. Just as he's suffering for the sake of Christ, he knows that there are people in that church that are suffering for the sake of Christ. And quite often those sufferings are not caused by us, it's an external suffering. It's no fault of our own. That becomes important a little bit later on, but again, things happen to us from the outside as well. It's not of our own doing, but we need to comfort those who are going through tough times. Verse 6, again, same thing, same, same C is still in part of this, this section. It says, if we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patience, endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm. Because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. Like I said, there's people in the church that were going through the same sufferings, right? And again, if you know Paul, right, you know his life. He suffered greatly once he converted, right? He was beaten. He was stoned. He was thrown out. He was left for dead more than once. He was in prison several times. He was shipwrecked. He had a lot of affliction. He suffered greatly for the cause of Christ. But he's saying, hey, it was for a benefit, right? You can take comfort in that. In other words, he's saying, don't just feel sorry for me, but hey, take part in that, right? As believers, we lock arms, right? It was interesting, as Heidi was mentioning this morning about Cambodia, right? I was thinking about that. You know, that's why we, as a church, we partner with them. And we can help them maybe a little bit, even though if it's a small portion, it helps those believers in Cambodia, we're struggling we're suffering. And I love how verse 7 here kind of pulls it back around, right? So verse 7 says, "And our hope is that for you is firm," right? It's secure, right? That that relationship is secure, right? We're we're firm in that. We're okay even though we're struggling, even though we're we're going through tough times, we're firm, we're rooted deeply. And he says you can just a thought here. And he says, you can take comfort even though we are suffering. You know, that, that relationship, that connection. Verse 8, he gets into a little bit more of the information. Again, Paul's taking steps here, and this is the first step in comfort. Now we're going to kind of move a little bit into the, the care part. He says, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure. Far beyond our ability to endure, so that in despair of life itself, right? Paul's saying, We were almost killed for the cause of Christ, right? He says, I want you to be informed, right? He's sharing that information. Sometimes it's the hardest thing in relationship, right? Is to, to be open and honest. You know, we talk about being transparent, but it, sometimes it's hard. It's hard to, 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 to go to someone and say, You know what? I'm, I'm struggling with this. I'm hurting today, right? I'll just speak for myself. And as a man, sometimes I, you know, it's it's kind of that I'm okay, but I'm not okay, right? I, I don't want to admit that I have a weakness, or I'm I'm tired, or I'm struggling, or I'm not feeling well, or whatever it is. You know that that the relationship is not secure enough that I I, I want to tell that person, but I need to, right? It's because it only helps. You, know, you can't help if you don't know what's wrong. And so Paul's informing them hey, you know what, we we really struggled there. We were we were almost killed. Again, helping that relationship grow a little bit more. Verse 9 it says, Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Gotta love Paul's perspective, right? You know, he's just come out of this situation where he's almost been killed. They've been, been, been beaten. They've been th- thrown at. They've been thrown out of places. They're, they're at that point where they're, they're, he's going to be killed. And he's like, but this happened that we may not rely on ourselves, right? You know, the, the key, I have that underlined in my, my scriptures because it's a reminder, right? Who are you to really rely upon? Right? Who do we rely on? Told you, I don't ask rhetorical questions. Oh, I'm glad that, 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 that's a pretty easy one. That one's right there on the T. So I, was, I knew you guys could, right? But it's a reminder, right? Because we tend to want to rely upon ourselves or on our finances or on maybe a, a spouse or a friend. But there are times when we get to a point where the only one we can rely upon is God. There we go. Someone got it. Nice. It says, We may not rely on ourselves, but on God. Sometimes that's all we have. Interesting, Paul's talking about his, his near death experience, and he says, but, but on God, who raises the dead, right? Paul has that perspective, right? That, that eternal perspective. You know what? If I die, it's okay because I'm headed to heaven. I, he, Paul knows where he's going, right? Paul believes in the resurrection, as we have that same hope. But God wasn't done with Paul yet. We see that in verse 10. It says, He has delivered us from such a deadly peril. And he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. As you help us by your prayers, then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to prayers of many. He goes from relying on God, which he should than connecting that church body, right? There's, there is something that we can do, right? Even sometimes we, we can't be with someone, we don't know exactly what's going on, we know that they're struggling, but if we care about them, we, at the very minimum, which is something very important, be praying for them, right? We need to be a praying church. We need to be a praying as believers, right? Again, God's going to answer that prayer, and Paul's secure in that, but he says, hey, you've prayed for us. We needed that. We needed your prayer support. Again, we prayed this morning as a congregation. We prayed for those in Cambodia this morning. We can't be there. We can't solve all those problems. We don't even probably know to what extent those problems are, but we can be praying for them, certainly. And God knows. And God already has the answer to that prayer. And so Paul is saying, thank you. Thank you for that favor of praying. He knows that there are believers there at that church that are praying for him, and so he's thanking them. That's part of that care, right? That caring. We have a caring God, but we also have caring people, caring people in our lives that pray for us. Verse 12 takes a little bit of a, a turn here. It's a... Uh, Paul's going to address one of the problems. Again, there are many problems in this church, but there's there's a problem that's arose, and Paul's going to address it here in these next couple of sentences, and so we see a little bit of change, right? He's connected with them. He's let them know the comfort. He's let them inform them what he's gone through, and now he's going to try to address some of the problems that are going on or some of the things that he's hearing from people that have been in the church. Verse 12 says, Now this is our boast, Our conscience testifies that we have conducted ourselves in the world and especially in our relations with you, with integrity and godly sincerity. Again, if you don't know the back story here, it makes it a little bit hard, but do a little bit of digging. Paul had told them that he had plans to come to the church to visit them. On the way to Macedonia, he was going to stop in and check in with them. But he didn't. Right? He didn't on the way in and he didn't on the way out. He ended up in Ephesus. He went right on by them. Right? And so this has caused some hurt feelings. It's caused some questions about Paul. You know, that things happen. I know this is hard to believe, but sometimes even in churches, the rumor mill gets going, right? And there's accusations made and things start getting out of hand and they start snowballing. And so Paul is letting us hear hey, I know I told you I was going to stop by, but guess what? My plans got changed. I don't want to get ahead of myself because he's going to tell us why those plans changed. But he's saying, hey, I know I told you I was going to stop, but hey, I've conducted myself with integrity, right? I'm really, I meant to come there, but there were some outstanding reasons. There's a reason I changed my plans. next sentence kind of gives us that glimpse. It says, we have done so relying not on worldly wisdom but on God's grace. For we do not write you anything you cannot read or understand. And I hope that, as you understood us in part, you will come to understand fully that you can boast in us just as we will boast of you in the day of the Lord Jesus. All right. He's saying, hey, I hope you understand. There's, there's going to be a reason. I'm going to explain why I didn't come to you. But he says, I, I'm hoping that you'll trust me enough and that you'll be actually proud of why I didn't come to you. Remember, we already said a few verses ago, right? Paul's talking about relying on God. Well, in this situation, he's doing the same thing. He's still relying upon God. And sometimes God he says, no, that's not what I want you to do. I want you to go over here, All right? If we're listening to God, God quite often will change our direction. Some of you know that, right? I've ended up in Baxter, Minnesota. That wasn't part of my original plan. I'll just say that right now, right? I'm thankful I'm here, but God changes our plans. I'm sure God's changed some of your plans even this morning, right? You may have had other plans for today. You may have had other plans where you live or where you're going or where you're ministering, right? But God has changed those plans, Again, it's not wrong to make plans. It's only wrong if we get so stubborn that we make those plans despite what God's telling us to change. And that's where Paul finds himself in this predicament. God's changed his plans, his route, but the people who were expecting him to be there are now hurt. And so he's working through that process with them and he's, he's trying to, to help connect them. And he's saying, hey, I'm hoping you understand and I hope you will be proud, just as I'm proud of you. Verse 15 gives us a little bit more clarity. It says, Because I was confident of this, I wanted to visit you first so that you might benefit twice. I wanted to visit you on my way to Macedonia and, I wanted, and to come back to you from Macedonia and then to have you send me on the way to Judea. Then he goes into his argument here in 17. He says, Was I fickle? When I enter I say both. Yet, or do I make my plans in a worldly manner so that in the same breath I say both yes, yes, and no, no, right? Again, he's saying, am I I, I double-minded here? Am I just telling you what you want to hear? No, he's saying, not, certainly not. I intended, his intention was to go visit them, both on the way in and on the way out, but he didn't, right? Right? he's kind of doing that lawyer thing. He's, he's kind of letting them know, hey, I'm not fickle. I'm not, not like I'm a scatterbrain. There was a plan, but God changed it. Sometimes we have to be willing to be changed, right, in our direction. God has something better for us. That's part of that change and caring. And he cares about these people, but again, God's changed his route changed his plan. Verse 18, but... Again, you know that word, right? But, right? But it's one of those words, right? It's like, I'm not fickle, right? But he's, he's, all that doesn't matter, right? But changes that, right? Totally 180 degrees. He says, but as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no. But in him, it's always been, we, yes. Right, He's saying, hey, it doesn't take away from what we preach to you. Right? It doesn't take away from the, the, the scripture. It doesn't take away from the meaning. Just because I didn't come visit you when you thought I was, it doesn't take away from that. See, the problem was they were discrediting. They're like, well, Paul, he's, you know, he's not very stable. Why should we listen to him? In fact, some of them were saying, you know what, that's just throughout everything that he said, right? Discredited him. And Paul's saying, no, no, no. Don't, don't, don't throw us out with that, right? Just because I didn't come, don't rush to that conclusion. Is kind of what's going on here in the passage. He's saying, no, no, no. We're still preaching to you God's words. We're preaching what God's telling us to preach. Not only me, but Silas and Timothy as well, right? And yes means yes, and no means no. Verse 20 says, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ, and through them the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. Some great phrases in there, right? Yes in Christ. When Jesus says yes, it's always yes. Again, that's why we can rely upon him, right? He's always faithful. He, he's always true in Christ. And the key there is in Christ, right? Because we can say yes to something, but then, like I said, God changes our plans. Paul was saying that, right? He's not contradicting himself here at all. And again, amen means let it be so, right? So when Christ says yes, it's automatic. It's already, it's already so. It's already going to happen. Then he goes in verse 21, it says, Now it is God who makes us both, who makes both of us and you stand firm in Christ. Right? Where are you rooted? That's really what he's saying. Where are you rooted, right? Are you rooted in Christ? Are you making decisions based on the Holy Spirit, walking with the Lord, or are you just making them as they come at you, right? Are you all over the place? Nice. And you, you as believers, just like us, are rooted in Christ, right? We're making these plans based on what you're telling us to do. That idea of walking step-in-step step with the Lord. It's a lot here, obviously. Again, we're, we're running through it this morning, but I would encourage you to go back and read through it again. Again, if you read it real quick, it kind of sounds like it's jumbled together, but it's really not. There is a nice thread that runs through it and it pulls it all together. Again, he's setting up for the rest of the letter in this as well. He goes on, he says, he anointed us, he set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. This is one of those moments he breaks out, we call it, breaks out the doctrine, right? He, he, he wants to, to, to make sure this teaching is still secure and so he, he talks about the Holy Spirit. And we believe that as when we're saved, we get the Holy Spirit inside of us, right? We have all of it, right? We can walk in the Spirit. And that Spirit in us is part of of our salvation, but it's also part of that guarantee, right? We have that hope of eternal life from that point on. And so Paul breaks out, like I said, he breaks out a little doctrine here, but again, he wants to remind them, just as though I have the same Spirit in me, you have the same Spirit in you. He's connecting them. Right? Because he cares about them. Next couple of verses here as we wrap up this section this morning. It says, I call God as my witness, and I stake my life on it, that it was not in order to, to spare you that I did not return to Corinth. Not that we lorded over your faith, but we work with you for your joy, because it is by faith you stand firm. And he kind of wraps this up, right? He says, I didn't take it lightly that I didn't return to Corinth, right? He's, that was important, right? And he, he's actually calling upon God. He says, God is my witness. God had changed my plans, right? He's letting them know, hey, it wasn't taken lightly. It wasn't just something that I was fickle. God changed my plans. He wanted me to go somewhere else. God had another plan, and Paul was just walking and carrying that plan out. And it changed a little bit on his journey. And that's okay. Verse 24 here as he wraps this up. He says, again, he cares about these people. He he wants them to know that he says, not that we lord it over you, but that we work with you, right? It's a partnership. Paul doesn't see himself as just being the, the head guy out there in front, going to all these places and, and leaving them behind. He says, no, you're, you're with me. You're, you're connected. You're partnering with me. You're part of the reason why I'm able to do what I do, is what he's saying. Right? He cares about these folks. He, he wants them to be connected in the joys and even in the struggles. Right? We start off with the sufferings, and he says, it's for your joy, right? There's blessings. There's things that come along with that. Right? It's not always a struggle. There's the other side of it as a joy in serving Christ. And then lastly, he says, by your faith, you stand firm. Warfare, again, the call of us as believers is to, to stand firm. I, I think of the, the spiritual warfare, again, in Ephesians. We, we look at that often, right? And I always love it when I go through that passage. I always want to point out, if you look at it, it's always standing firm. It's not giving up ground, it's not running, it's not turning you know, with your behind to the enemy, it's standing firm, right? It's not advancing, it's just, just holding ground. I think a lot of times as believers, we just need to hold ground, we just can't give up ground, we just need to hold it. And so I love that picture of just standing firm. You got to be secure in order to stand firm, right? You got you to brace for it, you got to be prepared for it, but standing firm is important. I think in my days when I used to play football, that was, sometimes that was always a hold the line, right? You know, you at least got to hold the line. You, you can't give up ground, otherwise the quarterback's going to get crunched. You know, we had to protect that little boy back there. He was always the skinny guy that could throw a mile, right? But again, football analogy, but holding the line was holding firm, right? You had to have your feet planted a certain part, and you had to be strong enough to, to stand firm and hold. It's the same idea, same picture here, Right? And so that's where I come up with the word consistency. That's part of our walk is being consistent. It's just standing firm in God's word. If you've been with us, we just went through a whole series, right? We went through 2 Peter. We talked about the importance of scripture and standing on that and running everything through that grid. Many of you have commented back that that resonated, right? You kind of forgot about that. You know, run things back through God's word. We have that blessing today, right? We have God's word that we can... Go back and check things. does this line up? I hear it, it doesn 't quite sound right. Is that what god 's word says? I love having kids in service it's great I, I do. I love it. The timing is incredible, and I do I really do. I really love it. I think i 've mentioned before I was in a church that didn 't have any children, and it was not a happy time. It was I had people that cried bother me. I used to start coming to church because they have gone so long without it. So again, it doesn't bother me at all. I love having the kids in. Uh, It's good that they go back out, but it's also good if they come in. It's fine. It really is. If you could see what I see, it would be fun. But, Anyways, as we wrap this up this morning, this, this morning's message, three things, right? Three things I mentioned at the beginning, right? Comfort, right? Comfort in suffering, right? Comfort in the Holy Spirit. Comfort through relying on God. And then we talked about caring, right? If we we care about our brothers and sisters, right? If we care about them, we're going to come alongside them. That picture of putting our arm around and walking with them. Whether we talk to them or just be there, being present, right? That's part of that, that caring for one another. God doesn't give us comfort just for ourselves, but for others. And then lastly, I put in there consistency, right? You know, the accusation against Paul was that he wasn't being consistent, but yet he makes the argument, hey, I am still consistent. I'm still, my integrity is still good. I'm just being consistent to the Holy Spirit, though. I'm not being consistent to the world. I'm not doing things as the world does. I'm doing them as a believer. I'm walking in step with the Holy Spirit. And so that may appear to some that it's not being consistent, but yet as believers it is being consistent. We're walking in step with the Holy Spirit. We're going to do things a little bit differently. And we also allow God to change our plans, right? We give God the permission to change our plans in our lives. I always say, you can either yield to Him and let Him change your plans, or He'll change them for you, and sometimes that hurts even more, right? I've shared with people that, you know, they've been taken down, they've been given a rest, you know, whether something gets broken or something, an illness... You know, if you run too hard too long, God can hit you with a two-by-four and make you sit down for a while. Guilty, and had that happen, right? God will use the beginning. He needs to get you on his plan, so it's a lot easier if we just stay in step with it from the beginning. So being consistent, being consistent in our walk, being consistent in our plans. And so with that, I just encourage you this morning to stand firm as the body of Christ. Bow with me, please. Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, I just thank you for being with us here this morning, Lord. And Lord, as you've led us through just a small portion of your writing this morning, Lord, may it speak to our hearts. Lord, may it cause us to think, Lord, uh, maybe we need to make some changes. Lord, may I be willing to allow you to change my plans. Help me know when you are speaking to me, Lord, that I may be in such a relationship that I hear from you clearly. Lord, help us as a church body that we also may be looking outward to, and as we see those that are struggling, those that are hurting, Lord, that we can come alongside and give them that comfort, that comfort you've given us in our time of need. Continue to hold us together, Lord. We just thank you for your work, and we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.